starting in verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it uh, will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray together. Mighty Father in heaven, uh, we thank you for your word, uh, that your word reveals to us who you are. What good news, what hope that you have made yourself known to us. You've given us minds to study the things that you've said. And that your word applies to every area of life. You are our creator. You know us better than we know ourselves. So we pray that your word would now speak to our hearts. um, Open our hearts, convict our hearts, challenge us, but also lead us to the hope of the gospel. And so uh, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be our teacher now. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are uh, talking about money this morning at a church, and I know that uh, money may be a sensitive topic for maybe for some of you, especially, you know, when uh, pastors and churches are, are talking about money, and I know that, you know, for many people, the kind of suspicion that many people have about churches and money is somewhat warranted, because actually the Bible does say that there are going to be people who are going to use the gospel, use the Bible as a way of making money. It's actually something that as a church should be on guard against. And of course, you know, many of us maybe watch on TV and there's a, the preachers on TV who are trying to make money off the people that they're listening to. Certainly something uh, for us to be uh, guarding against. But I think the fact that we are uneasy about sermons about money is not only because, you know, of shady practices of some preachers or churches. Um, we are very secretive about our money. And, you know, I was talking to a pastor uh, just a couple weeks ago who made the observation that, you know, the people in his church will come to him and share with him the most secret problems that they've never shared with anyone in their life. You know, maybe, uh, you know, sexual addictions that they're struggling with or, or real personal marriage struggles and, you know, things that are, you know, filled with all kinds of shame and they would never want anyone to know and they'll tell their pastor about it. But then he says, but when it comes to money, hardly anyone would come and talk to him about money. The money is more secretive than the most, you know, shameful sexual sins. And he said, uh, and what he said is, listen, that's strange. You're more private about your money than your sex life. That tells us that money has taken a place in our hearts that we are more protective of than anything else. 
And that should be a clue that we probably need teaching on it. We need the Lord to speak to us about that from his word. And, uh, you know, in fact, anyone who's read through the Bible, especially if you read through the Gospels, read, read through Jesus' teaching and instruction, you know that the Bible talks about money all the time. And uh, one of the practices of our church is that we just go through books of the Bible and uh, take whatever passage is the next passage. So we've been studying through Malachi. Malachi was written in the 5th century B.C. And this is our next passage uh, that, that is, is talking about tithing. And what ends up happening is you just go right through the, book of, right through the Bible. The Bible will cover area, every area of life. And we find, I find that at least once or twice a year we come to a passage on money. And I don't even need to plan. I don't need to plan a money sermon. The Lord wants us to face the question of money. And now, there are a lot of questions that go with money in our spiritual lives. And uh, not, I cannot cover all of them in a sermon. So one of the things we are hoping for as a church in the near future is to have a class, maybe a workshop on money. And, and uh, more broadly than just tithing, but how do I serve the Lord with my money? What does the Lord have to say about my money? We could use some instruction about that. But today we're just going to talk specifically about tithing, because that's what this, this passage is about. You probably caught that when I read the, uh, the Malachi text. And so in particular, I just want to make four observations from this text about the discipline, the spiritual discipline of tithing. And I'm going to give them to you as we go along. So four observations this morning, and this is the first one. Tithing is motivated by grace. This is the beginning, when you have a conversation, start thinking about tithing. I think many of us think that the reason we bring money to God or give money to God is because God is very demanding, and he wants us to give up, uh, give up our money. But actually, this text in the Bible always says it's the opposite. The reason we you know, give God our money is be- not because God is demanding, but because God is gracious, because God is kind. And you see that in this passage, how, it, how it, this, this uh, paragraph begins. Verse 6, For I, the Lord... Do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. This is a fabulous start to a text on money and tithing, which says the Lord does not change. What he's saying to Israel, you know, Israel at this time, it's, it's now been a millennium since Moses led Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And so they've been in this land for a thousand years. And the Lord is saying, look at all these great nations, like the Assyrians have come, and the Babylonians have come, and the Persians have come. And look, you're still alive. I haven't changed my faithfulness to you. You have not been consumed by these nations. And I have protected you, and I have been with you all these centuries after centuries. I do not change. My promises do not change. And, you know, when it comes to the topic of money, when we think about money in our life, Money and finances is one of the most volatile aspects of our existence in this world. You know, you, you lose a job, you have a job change, you know, some major change happens in your life, you have a major expense that comes up that you didn't expect and it comes out of nowhere, it causes you a tremendous amount of stress. It is because our relationship to money is always up and down. It is not steady. And so it is in this topic that it's most important to hear that God does not change. God is not up and down. He is steady. And, you know, of course, many of you can say that that has been your experience. You've experienced that countless times in your life because you'd say, you know, I've gone through serious, uh, hard financial times, and I thought, I'm not sure how I'm going to eat. I'm not sure how we're going to pay the rent. I'm not sure how I'm going to get clothes. I'm not sure how I'm going to be provided for. And the Lord has always come through. He's always, look at me. I was not consumed. And... 
uh, and it's because he has always been there. And so the first thing for us to understand about money is that the reason we hold on to money so tightly is because we believe that money can give us a sense of security, a sense of protection. Money can provide the steadiness that we want to I don't want the anxious ups and downs. And if I had enough money, I wouldn't have that any longer. And maybe actually money could give me a real sense of pleasure and joy and delight in my life if I had enough of it. And you just listen to all those things I just listed. Security, protection, joy, delight. Those are all things that only God can give you. Those are only things that come from God. And when we have transferred the things that only God can give us, the kind of security and protection and steadiness that only God can give us, and we transfer that to money, we are treating money like a God. And if you believe that money is the thing that keeps you safe, the thing that keeps you steady, you will become stingy. You will hold on to your money. But if you believe that God is your security, you become generous when you believe he is the steady one. And so tithing, the whole question of tithing, it it begins by understanding that it's motivated by God's grace, God's commitment to us, God's uh, uh, fatherly care and protection and safety to us in trusting in in that. And that's why, so, you know, for example, you know, some of you might say, you know, the whole question of tithing, isn't that an Old Testament thing? You know, this is an Old Testament passage, and, and aren't we freed from the law of the Old Testament in, in the New Testament that we, you know, we don't have to tithe anymore? And I think that anyone who's a Christian, you just have to think for one second and say, now that Jesus has come, God's grace and security has become even more richly revealed to us in Jesus. All of our sins have been forgiven. We've been given eternal life. That now that God has poured out even more grace upon us, that less of our money would go to God's kingdom? Don't we have more security now in Christ? And if we think about for the second, we say, it, it obviously can't be that. That cannot be the understanding of the Bible. There's no way that more grace leads to me holding more tightly onto my money. The experience of grace, God's unchanging love and commitment to us, is the thing that loosens our grip on our money, forms us into generous people. And, you know, I want to say, that's another aspect of the grace, is that being a generous person is a happy life. And God has a vision for you of what kind of person he's going to make you into. That's part of the grace of the gospel, is he's going to make you into a generous person. I mean, how many of us have your, you know, your, your dream for your life is to be a miser, or to be greedy, or, you know, or, is your dream, or do you want your dream for your life to be like, God, make me generous. Make me so secure in your love that my hands are open. And whoever comes, their experience of me is that I'm generous towards them. That is one of the graces of the gospel. It's one of the things the Holy Spirit is going to work in your heart when you come to know Jesus and be joined to Jesus by faith, okay? And so do you have that as a part of your vision of the kind of person that God wants to make you into, okay? So both of these graces, God's protection and and also God's work in our lives by the Holy Spirit to, to shape us into generous people, this all says that tithing begins is motivated by God's grace, God's promise to us, God's commitment to us, okay? But the second point talks more specifically about the act of tithing, and this is that tithing is bringing to God what's already his. It's a major shift we have to have, that tithing is bringing to God what is already his. And it's one of the most startling aspects of this passage. Look what it says in verse 8. Will man rob God? 
yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Now, a couple words from that those few verses that I want to point out for you. The first word is the word robbing, which that, the Hebrew word there is not a word that simply means taking something that's not yours. It's a word that's used for oppression. It's where a person who has power is using their power to violently oppress someone and take their possessions from them. And which is why the people say, wait, how have we robbed you? How have we oppressed God? That seems kind of strange. Why is he saying that we have oppressed him? But what it does tell us, says to us is that holding on to our money tightly, which we may, I think maybe in our culture, you know, we are, we're a very individualistic culture. We might think it's a very normal thing. You know, I might give, I might not give. This is saying to us that holding your money tightly is an act of violence and injustice. Act of violence and injustice. It's an ethically serious matter. It's a serious moral question of, of our relationship to our money. And, you know, even here it says, God says, you know, you should bring in the tithe to fill up my storehouse. This is God's house where he's gonna, it's going to be filled with food, where he wants people to be able to come and to be cared for and to be fed and so God can show hospitality. And so the people that could be cared for with that money are not being cared for. And that's why, that's why the Lord says, you're robbing me. The second word that's interesting in this, not just rob, but also the word bring. It says that we are supposed to bring a tithe. Now, it's important insight is that the Bible never tells us to give a tithe to the Lord. You don't give. It's not like you have money and aren't you, are we generous to give the Lord? As he says, I want you to bring what's already mine. Because the way that the, the, uh, the Bible uh, talks is that all that we have belongs to the Lord. You know, my very life belongs to him. My body belongs to him. My, my, you know, my gifts, my intellect all of my possessions, my clothes, my house, my car, all of my money belongs to the Lord. And what we are is we are, uh, we are stewards of the things that God has entrusted to us. And so, um, you know, it's very similar to I, Daniel and I are stewards of the word of God. God has entrusted to me these words to teach them to you. And so that means I cannot get up here and say whatever I want to talk about or whatever I think is interesting. I have an obligation to take his words and say his words to us, to you. And that's what it means to be a steward. And we are all stewards of the possessions that God has given us to use uh, to serve him in the world. And um, it's not that God wants you to give him a portion of your money. He wants you to bring a portion that is already his. And you'll notice in this passage that people tend to be oblivious to the fact of greed or stinginess in their lives. It's something we're blind to, right? It says in verse 8, they said, well, how have we robbed you? We, we didn't even know that this was happening. And this is generally true. You know, I, I've been a pastor for seven and a half years, and I've had many of you come to me in repentance to talk about all kinds of sins, you know, whether that's, you know, marriage problems, whether it's lust, whether it's, you know alcohol, drinking too much, whether it's anger problems, and really, you know, all kinds of sins. I'm not sure I've had anyone come to me in repentance saying, I have a serious greed problem. I've, greed is, is taking over my life, and I need someone to guide me through how to repent and let go of my greed. It's destroying me. I don't think it's ever happened. And yet we're the richest nation in the world. <laughs> I'm sure that's here. I'm sure that's in us. 
which says to us that this is something about the, the issues of money is something that we are blind to. We do not see those things. And so you might ask the question then, how do I know if money has become too important to me? How do I know? Well, this is why the Bible gives us a rule of thumb to test ourselves against, to measure how attached to money we are, and this is called the tithe. And I know for some of you, you might hear the word tithe, and you think of that as you know, money that you put in the bag as you go around, so $10 could be a tithe, or $100 could be a tithe. It's any offering. But in the Bible, a tithe means the, it comes, is literally the word a tenth. And this was an ancient practice in the Bible. It goes, it's much more ancient, actually, than the Mosaic law, the law of the Old Testament. Is uh, Abraham, when he came to Melchizedek, who was this mysterious priest in the Old Testament, he came and he offered him a tithe. And then Jacob, when Jacob uh, you know, has this encounter with the Lord, and it's like his life totally changes, and he, uh, and he says, I'm going to serve the Lord, he says, I'm going to give to the Lord a tenth. And it becomes this pattern that the scriptures use, God's rule of thumb, for our... Um, is that uh, we give away a tenth of our income for his work in the world. Which says, if you don't do that, maybe you say, I'm, I'm not even close to that. You know, maybe I give 2% of my income away. That is an indicator that you have too deep a love for money. That's an indicator. That's what the law does. God's law shows us our hearts, shows us what's in our hearts. And I'll tell you one thing, tithing is deeply tied to our spiritual progress as well. You know, I, I have done this uh, discipleship curriculum that a pastor from, uh, from Atlanta had written, and I was going through it with some men, and it covers a number of topics in the Christian life. And um, I, you know, I was really fascinated because this, this guy, you know, he said, these are the basic things that you need to go know as a Christian. The first section is on the gospel, okay? You need to know the gospel. And then the third section was on the Trinity, like doctrine of God. It's like, that's pretty important. The se- second section was on giving. And I was like, you know, I was starting this curriculum with some guys. And I was like, this is kind of weird. I don't, you know, isn't this a little early to be getting into, like, how we handle our money? And yet this is a guy who's been doing discipleship for 40 years. And he says, I see the people who are bringing their money to the Lord, growing and transforming spiritually. And he says, because this is what Jesus says. This is why Jesus talks about money. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart is following your treasure. It's following your money. It shapes your heart. And so it has a deep impact on our relationship to the Lord. And I'll tell you, something that's interesting in this passage, I would never have said this. Malachi says it. But he says, what is repentance? You know, uh, the people, Israel in Malachi's day, they're very lukewarm about their faith. And he says, you know, you have been disobeying the Lord. You need to repent. And, they, and, and look at how he says, look at what it says. Verse 7, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and uh, have not kept them. Uh, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? How shall I turn to the Lord in repentance? And he says, bring a tithe. It's a spiritual act that turns us to the Lord. It reignites our spiritual life. Which says, if you feel like your faith is stagnant, a question to ask is, are you bringing a tithe to the Lord? Now, some of you may hear that and say, you know, that sounds manipulative. You know, you're saying that we're not going to have a vital spiritual life unless we're bringing money to the Lord. But I'll tell you, look at any spiritual tradition in the world, any religion. They will all tell you that one of the most dangerous things for your spiritual life is money. 
They will all tell you. That, that is one of the things that will take your attention away from God and bring your attention to earthly and material things. And so I think, you know, if we balk at the Bible saying that God expects us to give 10% of our money to his kingdom and his work in the world, I, think it's, I don't think there's something wrong with the Bible. There's something in us. There's something for us to look at as our, at ourselves. Now let me just answer a couple questions that that brings up, that might bring up for you, okay? First, what if I, I don't tithe? I'm not even anywhere near that. I haven't done that. And to think of now having a spiritual discipline in my life to bring 10% of my income to give to the Lord and his work and the people who are doing his work uh, to give to others in need, um, that is such a drastic change. I just can't imagine introducing that into my finan- financial life. And the first thing I want to say is the Lord is gracious. He is kind to us. He's known that this whole time. We may think that these things are secret, but they're not, they're not secret to him. And he's patient, he's kind, he's forgiving, and he brings us along. And, and so I'd receive that grace. And I would say probably a place to start that the Bible talks about is to find a percentage that you're going to start giving of your income. If it's not going to be 10%, pick a percent. It is a portion. And then as the years are going along, watch as the Lord provides for you and increase that, increase that percentage. But you have to think about it. You have to evaluate your finances. And the Bible does say that this percentage has to be the first, first fruits. You know, I, for my family, this is what we do, is uh, we have our bank. As soon as I get my paycheck, the bank sends a check to the church that uh, here's our tithe. And, uh, and it's the first thing that comes out, and it's regular. We've set it aside. Now, uh, of course, ideally, giving your tithe during worship is better, but, you know, I'm working every Sunday, and Shannon's crowning the kids. And so we just found this is, we, it's important to us that we are given our portion of the Lord, and that's how we know we're going to do it. We've set aside, you know, that's how we do it. So that may be a place for you to begin, but to have that conversation or to start thinking through it. Second question could be, what if someone can't afford a tithe? You know, what if someone's poor? Is the church going to say to someone, you have to give 10% of your income to the church? We don't care, you know, how much you're hurting. Well, first of all, no. I, we're, I think the Bible is very sensitive towards people who are in poverty. And, uh, and of course, as a church, if, if that is you, if you cannot afford a tithe, then come to the church and say, we want to support you. We, want to, we are a family. That's part of what the tithe is used for, is to care for one another and build one another up and support you. But I will also say this. Something that's been challenging to me, I, I've had a couple membership meetings with people in our church where I met with them and we were going through the membership covenant. In our me- membership covenant, there's a part that talks about giving. And I knew this family, these people were you know, poor, didn't have any money, and I, and I got to that point, and I said, listen, I know you're in a hard time financially, you know, don't worry about this part. And they said, well, what do you mean? You think because I'm poor, I don't have to give to the Lord? Listen, a tithe is not a, not, it's not a lot, but it is important to me. The Lord has provided for me. He is the one who has cared for me, and I've been in some hard times, and he's seen me through, and it's important to me, it's an important part of my spiritual life to give. And I, I was, it was almost like a disrespect. And I, I was humbled by that. And I think that says to all of us who are not in poverty that, wow, if the poorest among us can do that, then that shows us something about our own hearts and our own lives. This is a challenge to us, okay? So these first two points, tithing is motivated by grace, God's unchanging character. Second, uh, tithing is bringing to God what is already his. The third thing we see in this text is that tithing is 
an act of wisdom. Okay? Wise people, people who live wisely in the world, this is one of the practices of their life, is bringing to the Lord what is his. And you can see this in verse 10. Look at what it says. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, uh, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. This is an interesting verse where the Lord says, okay, by the way, when you bring the tithe, I'm going to open up the rain out of heaven and your crops are just going to come forward and you're going to, you know, there's not going to be any bugs that are killing your crops. You're going to become rich, is what he says. Now, this text is actually, some of you will be familiar with, uh, it's maybe called the Health and Wealth Gospel, which is uh, a movement that says that uh, God promises that if we give him money, then we are entitled to material possessions, to wealth, and that he will give us wealth. And it's this exchange that we give him this portion and he multiplies it and we get more back. All right? It's like a really good investment if you invest in the Lord through tithing. What do we say to that? Uh, It seems like that's what it's saying here in this text, right? Tithe and I'll open up heaven. First of all, the first thing to say is partly true. The principle of the kingdom is if you want more money, you give your money away. That's how God works. That's how God likes to work. He wants to create a world of generous people, and he's going to encourage the generous people. If you're giving away money, then I'm going to give you money to give away. But, of course, there's a problem, and the problem is the motivation. When we say our ultimate motivation is that we want material possessions, that is the thing that we love the most. We begin to love material possessions more than God himself more than his kingdom. And what Jesus says is seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Make that your great love, God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you. Your material needs, God knows them and he will care for you because he wants to enable you to do his mission in the world. And so instead of thinking of this as, you know, a kind of health and wealth exchange in this passage, I think a better way to think of it is that Malachi is describing to us what wisdom is. And if you read the Proverbs, this is how the Proverbs talks. If you're generous, God will bless you. That's how the wise in the world live. And I think it's important to also remember what the Bible says that we do with the tithe. What, what does God do with the tithe when you bring a tithe? Well, he says, you know, you're supposed to give it to the Levites and the priests so that you have, you know, these, these pastors who are around you to care for you, to listen to you, to talk to you, to teach you, to encourage you, like these fatherly figures in your in your congregation. You're supposed to care for the poor, give to those who are in need. Um, You're supposed to have fellowship together and use your money to create fellowship, to have meals together. Um, Also, in the New Testament, it says the church is going to send out missionaries to the world, and so we need to give the tithe to pay for people to go and spread the gospel and tell more people uh, about the Lord. And I'll just tell you that if the American church tithed, it is unthinkable the amount of ministry and blessing the church could give to a society if just Christians, people who love Jesus said, you know, the Lord tells me to give a tenth, I'm going to do it. It, it, It's overwhelming. And it's true for our church as well. I will tell you, if our church tithed, 
um, the amount of blessing we could give to each other and to this community is overwhelming. We could hire someone. To, they could be a pastor of outreach to, to you know, reach our neighborhood. We could hire a youth pastor who could care for our youth and disciple our youth inside our church and outside of our church. We could hire a, um, a counselor. For many of you who are you know, struggling with depression or, or, or marriages, and it's like, you know, I'd love someone to meet. We could have a trained counselor on staff. We could give more money to our families who are in need. We could send out more missionaries um, and support more missionaries. And w- there's all kinds of ministry, not even to mention, you know, the things that we could do for our church to make this a beautiful place to worship. We could have a pastor who oversees music and make our, our music even more beautiful. And what all this says is that when you give the tithe, who benefits from that? God being greedy and saying, I want your money? No, he's going to give all that to us, to our families. So we, th- th- this mission that we are a part of, we get to enjoy it. And that's how the Lord is. And he uses it for his mission. I'll tell you, the, the number of things, you read through the Bible, the number of things that the Bible says that the church is called to do and to be in the world, it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming to be and do all those things. And that's why the bringing of a full tithe is an essential part of our mission. And that's the last point that I want to make this morning. So the, the tithe is motivated by grace. It's bringing to God what's already his. It's an act of wisdom. It's what the wise people do in the world. But the last thing is that tithing is essential for our mission. Let me just make a few points on this. Stay with me. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, 12 is a beautiful verse here. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. When God's people have this practice of they bring to the Lord what's his, and the Lord pours out blessings on them, and they have this rich and generous culture, Malachi says the nations, the outside world, will be watching they'll see what our life together is like, and they'll say, I've never seen anything like that before. I've never seen it. Who is this God? And actually, that's what, you know, this, this mention of the land is a big part of the Old Testament. And, you know, God chose Abraham and, you know, called him out of, uh, out of the land of Ur and, and uh, put him in this land. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make a great nation of you. I'm going to pour all these blessings of you. I'm going to put you in this land so that you will be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth will find blessing. There was this mission that Abraham had. So God said, I'm choosing you for the sake of the world. And the world's going to be watching you. And, you know, that little strip of land that God gave to Israel? Where is that land? It was very small, but it's right at the corner of three continents, Europe, Asia, and Africa. All the trade routes are going to come right through that land. All the nations are going to come through and say, who are these people who care for their poor? This God who is so generous, and and his generosity has gone through the people. Who are these people? And when they see it, they're going to say, I want to know your God. I want to know who he is. Of course, that mission that Israel was given, they largely failed in, in the Old Testament. And so Jesus came fulfilling this mission that Israel was supposed to be a light to the nations. And when Jesus came, Jesus was the rich one. He owned the cosmos. He was the heir of all things, heir of all creation, the firstborn over all creation, and yet he became poor for our sake. He let go of his wealth. He became a baby in a manger as we're celebrating this Christmas. 
born into a poor family so that we could share in the riches of his blessings. It is in Christ that we become this land of delight. And it is through this, uh, so learning um, to tithe does not come from thinking God's mad at me because I don't give enough. Which I know some of you are thinking from this sermon, God's mad at me because I don't give enough. Learning to tithe means comes from being captured by Jesus' mission in the world and seeing how that mission has reached even you and me and saying, I want my life, I want my money, I want all of who I am, my gifts, my house, my clothes, my intellect, my skills, to be about more people experiencing that grace that I have experienced in him. And that's, that's what capture, That's what must capture us about the tithe of what God is doing in our midst through Jesus. Let's pray together.